Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing today? Great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. Um, I am super excited about our guest today. Um, he is, in my opinion, one of the most influential disc enthusiast person and has had a hugely profound effect on my life just of his commitment to the sport of freestyle and to all the other disciplines as well. Probably the father of Frisbee as a sport, at least that's my feeling, but uh, for sure the data says he's in all of the Disc Hall of Fames. I I don't think anybody else is, so that speaks to uh, his impact on the sport of Frisbee. Indeed. So without further ado, we would like to welcome Dan the Stork Roddick. Thanks, Dan, for joining us here on the podcast today. I'm... uh... I'm I'm semi delighted to be here. <laughs> semi delighted to be here. Well, we're extremely delighted to have you. <laughs> the the thing is, it sounded like a really great idea when you first uh, presented it, and as the date got closer and closer, and I reviewed more and more of your earlier uh, segments, I got to thinking, man, this is like, you know, Stephen Curry and LeBron interviewing James Nyasmith about, wow, how'd you get that idea for the peach baskets? I mean, that must have been, that must have been really something. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, what, I don't know what I can add when, when you've had so many just state of the art, uh, amazing people on, um, I'm, I'm a little concerned that my, my info is a bit dated. (laughs) Well, I, I think uh, that's one of the beauties of, of being a human being is that we all look at it from different perspectives of who we're talking to and what we're talking about. And so I look at you, Stork, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you have this vault of history that really all the current players and, and even the, the not-too-distant past players have no idea about the impact. And I know that they're all so interested in learning about that, so... I'm just really honored that you're willing to go ahead and do this podcast with us. And I appreciate your (laughs) accolades to us, but I feel that really the light is shining on you more than anything at this moment. So I guess, I guess with that, we'll just start from where we start with everybody. And maybe you can tell us how did Frisbee come into your life? How did this whole journey begin for you? The beginning, the beginning of it was, I guess my fifth Christmas at least according to my my mother's carefully kept baby book, that uh, apparently under the tree the fifth Christmas was a flying sick saucer. I'm sure it was a flying saucer, but my mother miswrote it as flying saucer. Uh, And that was one of my uh, fifth Christmas uh, gifts bought, I'm sure, by my dad. He doesn't remember where or how he got it, but he saw it somewhere. This is a Pipco flying saucer. And so that's when it came into our lives, uh, his and mine. So that was uh, 
so we pulled in there and here's this little kid and as we pull in i said to my wife well there's my guy you know he's going to be my new frisbee buddy he turned into my frisbee buddy and so in 70 i guess it would be like three i decide that i want to uh, go up to ift drive up to ift camp go up to ift and and see what that is the international frisbee tournament the oldest tournament in the world i've read about it and everything so i went and asked Mr. and Mrs. Scowley, you know, can I take your, you know, nine-year-old son along with me in a pup tent uh, up to northern Michigan? You know, no problem, Dan. Uh, have fun, you know. Uh, things have changed. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Jimmy and I go up there, and we're we're watching Guts primarily. And when the Aces, Air Aces, Highland Avenue Aces are playing, when somebody throws back a, uh, a return courtesy shot, Alan Blake... Uh, would tap it several times and then catch it. Jimmy and I are, oh my God, what was that? I mean, and now I, I now have, if you're keeping track, you know, 20 years of throwing it back and forth. And I've, I've never done anything other than kill it. You know, here it is, catch it. You know, what planet am I on? And here's this guy just nonchalantly going, Tap, 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 catch. And Jimmy and I, he must be, he must be adding spin to it or something. I mean, you know, if you hit it with your hand, it would, it would stop, right? I mean, what's he, is he like twisting it? He must be twisting it or, or something. So we chatted with him a little bit and he said, no, no, I just, I just tap it. It's just, we're just fooling around. I went, oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool fooling around. So Jimmy and I went back and I mean, it was impossible. I mean, my my knuckles were beat up for months and months trying to, to hit that uh, accurately enough so that I could get a couple of primitive tips. And I returned to Rutgers and, and Flash and Gary Subert and I, uh, it might have been, I don't know if Irv had joined us yet for that or not. Maybe Irv was a little later. That was our game. The game now of catch was how many touches could you make until you caught it maybe maybe five was the record you know and that was just like it's like out of control finally oh god catch dive you know wow six unbelievable the record so you weren't doing any under the leg catches or behind the back or anything like that that wasn't even on the radar no no nothing just just survival skill tap it don't don't catch it right away try to hit it somehow so that it would stay up there and then catch it and that tremendous irritation to my dad, you know, I mean, of just just catch it, you know, and throw it back. I mean, what what are you doing down there? And and just play, you know, don't mess throw around. it back. Throw it back to the mothership. What are you exactly. doing? Exactly. I mean, and it was just <laughs> it was just unbelievable how hard it was uh, and and impossible for me personally to fathom. And so then fast forward to whatever jersey jam slash octet it was and and i consistently miss uh remember it but when carrie and uh freddie uh haft show up at the jersey jam i believe not octet uh and freddie gets the first opportunity as i recall to show the nail delay in a routine i'm sitting with judges so this is now 
pushing 35 years uh, since the the pipco but anyway so i'm i'm watching this and and he does a kind of a primitive delay in his routine and i I didn't, I mean, I remember looking at the other judges and going something along the lines of, well, I missed that. I missed that. What, 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 the, what catch did he make? You know, which you keep hearing these and prob- probably apocryphal stories of the Mayans standing on the beach and the, the conquistadors are coming in their boats and they can't see them because they can't process it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into their worldview uh people can't be first of all there's nobody out there and and then how could they be coming across the water and I, I honestly think that we kind of looked at each other and didn't process it and then my next leap you know like 25 or more years later was what if some alien had stepped out there in 73 and done a 2017 state-of-the-art possession and my guess is that we would have not been able to see it we wouldn't be able to see it because so many things we knew for a certainty would have been violated and that's why i believe that aliens walk among us all the time and we simply can't process them because they don't fit with any of the understandings that we have. They can't be like they are. And so I honestly think if somebody had shown that possession, they had shown one of your guys' possessions in in 1974, I think the judges would have written down, you know, drop. <laughs> blinded. They would have been blinded to the quantum physics. They, they couldn't. What could they have? They, they, right. It was too much. Too much. <laughs> So I don't know that the the summary of that is that I have not been insightful about about seeing understanding where we're going, you know. So yeah, but I think you know, Stork, you're talking about that. I think that we experience that today. I, I know that when I'm at the park jamming with my buddies and somebody walks by, they look at us and they're like, they're either completely stunned or they just don't get it and walk keep walking by. And when you try to stop and talk to somebody about it. The first question is usually, is that a trick Frisbee? Or what's special about that Frisbee? How do you make that do that? It's like, no, it's a regular Frisbee, but it's just so beyond people's comprehension that they can't they can't bond to it. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a similar experience. I remember the first time I saw a skid, and it was Don Fogel in Vancouver NAS tournament. I don't remember what year, but I remember I had that similar kind of reaction of like, what, what, what was, what did I miss? Like, I, I couldn't actually see, I was blind to what heck just happened. I knew something was not normal. At an even more basic level, when Joe and I did the first tour of um, Australia. And you taught Joe who? Joe Cahow? Joe Cahow. In, okay. in 76, I think it was. We got the opportunity to, to play in front of a pretty substantial number of people who had never seen a disc fly. That in itself was quite extraordinary because their parabolic expectations were gobsmacked by the flight of the disc. And people instantaneously, it's that old joke about uh, Fred Morrison at the LA County Fair. They sold the invisible string 
that went with the saucer because that was a reasonable explanation as to why it flew without obeying gravity. I mean, people just had not seen that when you throw things, they respond to the gravitational pull of the earth. They don't just stay flat unless there's some way to support them. We had many conversations of people wanting to examine it and see how we had put this compact motor or or flying device inside it. So that that's just that it, you know, an even more basic level. But let's just say as as and I'm really I'm really pushing the term muggles. As muggles walk by your jam, people who don't know the magic, who, who walk by the jam and they have these and, and I think it is probably a, they're, they're re, it's a bimodal reaction, either don't see it, don't care, uh, which unfortunately I think is the predominant reaction to most things in modern life, or wow. And I think that is one of the best tests of whether you want any further interaction with, with that person. You know, if, if, they, if they come up and, and that's just, oh, uh, no big deal, then probably most of the things that you're interested in life, they're not going to be interested in either. Uh, if if they are are amazed and intrigued, then there's probably a good bit of future in that. It's, it's as I often say about if you take a new friend for the first time to the rim of the Grand Canyon and they go, oh, yeah, I've seen it in pictures, leave them there because there's no further potential in that relationship. <laughs> or you just know. give them a little push. <laughs> well, yeah. that too, as the ranger said uh, when I visited there at age 12, he says, if you do slip off the edge of the can- canyon, our advice is try whatever it takes as you fall to, to face down because it's a once in a lifetime view. Um, <laughs> let's face it, the world is full of such people. I believe that there aren't too many of them uh, in our tribe. Uh, I I think that John Wyan is is kind of close to the truth when he says that when the aliens inevitably come here, uh, they are going to gather up uh, all of our playing friends and take them along and then just incinerate the the rest as they take off. Uh, I think that if you demonstrated your openness to these experiences, then I think you qualify for the interstellar travel. That's what, that's what Dreamer says, and I'm I'm with him. Uh, and and I, I also believe that we have drawn together. The reason the Frisbee family works so well is because it has consistently over the years drawn a particular kind of person who is open and interested as well as interesting. Um, and as I've said a few times to, to groups, I've said, if, if you don't think we're different, go to your high school reunion and see those people. They're unbelievably old. Being playful is, uh, is a wonderful thing. And, and I, I like to hope that that's kind of the basic mantra of all the, the tribes of, of our games. Yes, that has been my experience in life in dealing with folks who have 
chosen the road less traveled is that they really are more tolerant and more playful. And uh, I sort of have this funny thing that I'll say once in a while is that I love Canadians and Wisconsinites because they seem more tolerant. And I really believe that's true. I'm not really sure why. Canadians and Wisconsin, Wisconsinites. Wisconsinites. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I totally agree with your tolerance. People who take the road less traveled, I think they uh, they spend a little bit more time being introspective, and so they can appreciate their own differences and other people's differences in ways that people who just sort of follow the group can't. So I totally agree, and that's kind of one of the cool things about freestyle frisbee is uh, that we do that. But it's not just that we take the road less traveled. It's like uh, freestyle frisbee is all about play. Even though we're out there, sometimes we're competing and we're really practicing and trying to get better. At the end of the day, it really is just about being creative and playing and having fun and connecting with your friends and having that kind of a focus in life. Uh, it takes a lot of stress away. It's funny. The term road less travel doesn't mean that you don't have a rich experience just because there's not as many people on that road. It just means that maybe you see things differently than the road that everybody's on and be maybe a little bit more accepting to stuff that's just different or not, not the norm. Totally agree. Totally agree. So with that, let's remind everybody to like us on Facebook and share our post with your friends because that's what helps us spread the jam. And with that, I will talk to you next week, Jake. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, Check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Hainesville, shooting the frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee.